0: Hey everybody, before the episode starts, I wanted to tease a little segment that's going to be at the end of the episode. Um, We have movies in a hat um, that we're going to pick from, and so if you want to figure out what we're going to watch for next week, stay tuned. And welcome to Unboxing Story. This is Jonathan Maitos. We-
1: and this is Melissa Matos.
0: I was going to make up a name, you know, which is funny because in Star Wars, they do that. That's like a really amazing thing about Star Wars is that you have people like, what was the, did you see Scissor Punch? The, Ooh. There's a character in Solo that's that's like Thorax Scissor Punch. He's like a lobster man. Anyway, it's got, made a lot of nerds real happy. Me included. Scissor punch? Yeah. Um, really? But, uh, but like, like, a go- It sounds
1: like a Pokemon.
0: <laughs> it does sound like a Pokemon. I like that. Um, so today's, as you notice from talking about the names in Star Wars, we're going to talk about Star Wars, um, mainly how it's kind of a blend of different genres. Um, the original trilogy, because- George Lucas uh, was really taking sci-fi and making a fantasy story out of, like, some sci-fi elements. Um, And you also get some Western thrown in there because of Han Solo being a smuggler. And there are those kind of, like, one-on-one duels, uh, which are, you know, typical of Westerns. Um, And then... Uh, before going live we were also discussing how you know Rogue One was trying to position itself as more of a war story because it was showing you know the political idea of like you know uh, inspiring troops to not give up and um, at the in terms of filming the warfare it wasn't like you know showing a you know two godlike People that are, like, deciding the fate of the whole um, thing and it's representative of good and evil. It's very, like, um, ambiguous characters in terms of their, you know, morality who are just trying to get by and then, uh, you know, doing everything they can to sway a, a larger battle. Um, so I, I think that's one of the major things I like about Star Wars is that it's mainly a fantasy um type of movie you know and i think as a writer like what i really glom onto is the hero's journey uh it's it's used really like across writing lectures that i've seen and stuff as like there's a character he has something that he wants he's forced out of his comfort zone into the world and he learns what you know uh is really valuable in terms of um you know, uh, for him it's learning the Force and what's, what it's like to actually be a, a Jedi and, and what it's like to, to be like a true warrior. Um, because I think initially, isn't he going to go, like, be one of the apparently,
1: yeah, he's supposed imperial, to go to the Imperial Academy.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: I didn't realize that's the Academy he was talking about right. in that movie till a lot later, but yes, he was apparently... All of his friends have already joined the Academy and he wants <laughs> to go too. Right. And we're all thankful he didn't, but... Yeah. <laughs>
0: But uh, he uh, meets Ben Kenobi, and so he becomes kind of his mentor. And so the culmination of that story, that first movie, is, um, you know, seeing Ben make that sacrifice and, um, you know, uh, learning to trust the Force. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really like that whole, um, you know, I, personally, the, that first movie is my favorite of, of all three of them. Um, but uh, are there any specific fantasy elements that you like that are, you know, peppered throughout the, peppers throughout the movies? You get um, a princess too. That's, a, well, that's another big thing people talk You're saving about. Saving the
1: princess. Um, I there's a lot of things I like about the fantasy elements, but in it, I mean, I like regular science fiction as well. I like hard science fiction when it's done well and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but. Um, what makes this fun and exciting is the addition of the, I guess, almost archetypal, like you were saying, good versus evil battles that's going on. Mm-hmm. The um, mentorship of Obi-Wan is kind of like this older wizard who's going to mm-hmm. teach him how to, to deal right. with things. Um, it's almost like mythic in its scope. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it reads a lot like an old myth or or you know old Greek epic would read where it's this guy who thinks he's nobody but it turns out he's the son of you know of a god basically because mm-hmm. Darth Vader's pretty high up there and this such a lot right. of craziness that is the the force power um and he has to choose whether he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy and it's this pull I think that's that's a big part of what I like is the the struggle the internal struggle he faces of whether Mm -hmm. or not he's going to remain on the good side of the force or the bad right and uh it's what I've been enjoying about the new movies too so actually Return of the Jedi is my favorite oh okay because of the the main struggle showing him Mm -hmm. trying to save his father but his father trying to pull him to the dark side and that whole Mm. scene on the uh, second Death Star right I really enjoy that yeah and Yoda and Yoda cuz he's <laughs> Yoda <laughs> which is also great cuz it's almost like having it's almost like having a goblin but he's not really a goblin cuz he's a good guy but it's like totally a goblin.
0: <laughs> yeah, he and it's so funny seeing him uh like being really mischievous and like that you get some of that in like something like Mr. Miyagi. Right. You know, where like their the way that they teach the their student is by kind of like infuriating them yeah <laughs> and like you know um, he's like stealing his food and like hitting him and like doing all this stuff so he's like a very he's a very likable character um and and I was gonna say like it's not the type of character that you character that you would expect um, in this you know type of setting that like you said like a one like creature that's a good guy um but and at the same time I was gonna say the what makes um, Darth Vader such an interesting bad guy is you—they you, have it set up where there's this legion of faceless kind of um, commanders, generals, lieutenants, and from that first movie, you see him saying, like, you know, all this technology is amazing, you know, but you—you you don't understand the power
1: you don't that know what I the can force
0: do. has. And showing that this character is tapped into something like just that line, just the gravity of, um, what, what what's the I can't believe I'm blanking on the actor's name. James um, Earl Jones.
1: Oh yeah.
0: The gravity of his voice talking about the force really makes you believe yeah, that this, is this thing is real. Huge. And that if he wanted to, he could just murder everybody in the room. Right. Because of his And then you watch training.
1: him carelessly and easily murder several yeah, multiple. people. multiple. In the room. Right. Because he can. And no one says anything about it. Uh-huh. Like, the only one who even remotely seems to have any control over him is um, Tarkin. Mm-hmm. And even he's not exactly... He doesn't like him.
0: No. <laughs> there's that, like, love there. No. There's just kind of, like, uh, gotta a mutual respect.
1: Guy on a leash, because otherwise he's going to kill all my officers.
0: <laughs> right. And I think that, that that introduces kind of an idea that um, gets brought back uh, in Serenity a little bit. Uh, because in the Serenity, in the Firefly movie called Serenity, um, there's a character called, like, the Operative, and... He is hunting down, um, basically, like, they, he's trying to keep this thing secret, this, like, big conspiracy thing. And so his big character characterization is I uh, un, unquestioningly have faith in th- these people that are above me. And so this idea of having bad faith is kind of exhibited with... Vader like he, he is obviously distinct from others in that he has this great willpower and magnetism and um, grasp on reality that other people don't have but he's using it completely the wrong way <laughs> um, and uh, trying to seek uh, power and um, to exact change in that way in a way that is destructive uh, and we kind of got that a little bit with um, Thanos uh, that same idea of um, having a grasp on things, having this deep understanding and wisdom, but using it for for evil. Right. Um, so that's that's always been a really cool uh, thing that strung out through the Star Wars, you know, myths. Um, just think if there's other, any other fantasy elements. Um, obviously you have like the weaponry is like using yeah, the sword. Yeah, that
1: is. Yeah, um, using a sword is a big one. I think that's the first time that was really a thing. I mean, there may have been other science fiction ones that that did that, Mm -hmm. but that's obviously the most iconic, one of the most iconic things about Star Wars, is oh my gosh, I have a laser sword, it's so cool, you're like, yeah, that is the coolest thing ever, because Mm -hmm. there's just something epic and uh, romantic, almost, about a sword fight that Mm -hmm. you don't get from, you know, shooting
0: lasers at each other, Uh although... Well, we'll talk about that when we get to
1: the Western section. But, so,
0: so yeah. Right, so that's a very American brand of that, yeah. that that has become romantic here. But I think that on a, on a bigger level in, you know, Asian countries and in European countries and, and, um, and here in America, we imbue... Actually, even
1: the guy on Firefly had a sword.
0: Oh, that's true, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's just a, a very... Yeah, it's a we view
0: that with this idea of, right... Like,
1: idea, yeah, pretty
0: much. there's something to... A, a warrior that and has they, sword. they call
1: them knights. They're Jedi knights. They're not just, right. you know, priests yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, because technically that's what they kind of would be, right? They're mm-hmm. like priests or something of this religion.
0: Well, the, I, I guess they're kind of more like monks. Okay. And there's that idea in, in Asian cultures of, like, a, a fighting monk, somebody that it only uses force. In a, in a very specific Right, like way you, have,
1: and, you have a certain thing you are to defend and you are trained to defend that thing, and that is, right. yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's, and so that's that's another thing is that in Star Wars you have not only um, European pathology, but also this yeah, so ancient mysticism there. where everything is connected, and um, I, I think that was an interesting thing um, that uh, they... they they were trying to make um, a jump with uh, Luke in The Last Jedi and, and it distinguished their characters where he was saying, like, this doesn't belong to just the Jedi and what they're doing uh, is, is um, you know, trying to grasp at it and, and it's ruining things um, and I think that it's interesting how, how, how they go into those themes and like uh, make a statement about um, you know, where, where does the value of these things actually come from? And that was kind of a cool way of re-justifying the, the like she was saying, we need more Jedi, and we need you to reinvigorate.
1: Right, um, this, this religion or yeah. whatever. So, speaking of that,
0: uh-huh.
1: one defining factor I think that differentiates or could differentiate Star Wars as a fantasy-based thing versus a science fiction-based thing. Because there are science fiction stories that involve a lot of, uh, you know, they refer to it as psionics, Mm -hmm. where you're telepathic or telekinetic or whatever. And they come up with semi-scientific reasons for those abilities. (laughs) The difference between... So, calling someone force-sensitive, are you born that way Mm-hmm. Is there something genetic in you? Is it this midi thing? Yeah. Like, because if it's not, and if it's just you come and learn this religion, and you can learn to use the Force, that's a very fan- fantasy idea, where you mm-hmm. can go and train to become a wizard, or you can train to become whatever those things are. Now, there are some fantasies, obviously, too, that have it inborn. Mm-hmm. But that's now we're talking high fantasy, where there are, like, elves and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like... Um, there are still ways that other people can learn to use magics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as opposed to it being, no, it's just an inborn thing and you are genetically predisposed to have this sort of ability. Right. So I guess that's part of a, I know that's a, an argument because not everybody was into the midichlorians. Mm-hmm. I hated the midichlorians personally. I think uh-huh. it's a ridiculous idea. Mm-hmm. But especially because I had thought it was a more mystical
0: mm-hmm. thing than that. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think that is a nice way to transition into sci-fi because it's like, the it seems like at the very base of, if you're going to talk about the, um, the battle between the um, Empire and the rebels, the re- rebels are represented by these peaceful, spiritual leaders who use force only when necessary and you have to train to learn how to control the power that you have, as opposed to the empire, which has some, like, darkly spiritual leaders, but um, is represented more so by technology. And so um, it, it's it's interesting how um, that, that idea of, like, the force gifts certain people with bigger access to this power and it's trying to um, in a very Taoist uh, kind of way keep some kind of balance um, and uh, it does this by distributing that power to different people.
1: Which also would keep going but I have a question about the balance thing.
0: Uh huh. Well it, I, I was going to say is that it, it, it is because there's not any hard and fast law to it, it opens it up for a lot of nerds like us to, <laughs> to to like have all these debates about like, well, it's not very smart for like like the fact that um the the um in the dark side they have the rule of two. Right. Where like you get uh, an apprentice that if you're gonna follow the laws of the dark Doesn't, side your is eventually like gonna try to kill you. Yeah. So it's like all that going that deep, and it's like what I was saying about Thor with the last episode, is that when you get into those archetypes of this side is just the evil people, and this side is just the good people, you have these you write yourself into these corners of like, it. it is spiritual, but you also have to train from a young child, and you you know, there it gifts for sensitivity to certain people, but then you have people being like well then why isn't Leia... Using the force in the same way that other force-sensitive people use it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of messy in that way. But I would say that like there is that kind of distinction between these people with these big, huge, gargantuan machines that are trying to make everything rational, and they're very it fascist. their
1: order on the universe.
0: Yeah, and then there's the the spirit that's trying to order things in its own way and. Uh, it does have a balance in and, and some, you know, way. But um,
1: So, because my thing was, <sighs> I, I don't know much about Star Wars history. Mm-hmm. All I pretty much know is from the movies. Right. And a little bit from, like, I've read parts of books. I haven't really ever finished one. <sighs> so, and I've watched some of Clone Wars, but I don't quite understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a lot more Sith.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there wasn't always just two. Like, maybe you had an apprentice and your apprentice was going to kill you, but there were lots of Sith Lords.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even Kylo Ren had, like, knights. Like, he had multiple... He had a gang, uh-huh. right? So, like, the fact that in the original trilogy there's only two makes sense because, like, he killed all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He killed all the Jedi, so there's, like, literally two Jedi left in the universe, too. Right. Not if you don't count Leia. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, technically, I guess. Anyway, so there are very few on either side. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they're all incredibly powerful. My theory being because the Force chose those people, and those are the only people that really have it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very strong in them.
0: Right.
1: But, like, previously, apparently, there was, like, whole tons of Jedi and whole tons of Sith. Mm -hmm. And, like, were the Sith always, like, this bent on killing everybody? Mm -hmm. Or were they just kind of balancing out the good side? Like, we are using the Force, but in a different way than you, to -hmm. balance out things. Like, so they're not necessarily evil, Mm -hmm. per se. They're just a lot more on the the powerful side, Mm -hmm. brute force kind of people, as opposed to... Mm -hmm. The Jedi, who seem to be a lot more like Peaceful. the 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 what's the word I'm looking for, non-active. They're the they're the passive, a lot mm-hmm. more passive people. Right. So like, I don't know if you know anything about the background of that either.
0: <laughs> Maybe really. if
1: you guys know, you can write at me and fill me in on how this is supposed to work, because I kind of don't quite get the idea. Because now that there's all these theories, because obviously, they believed Anakin was going to bring. Balance to the Force. Mm-hmm. So they have theories on both Rey and Kylo Ren being the thing that is going to balance the Force, right? Somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: obviously you need both of them, even mm-hmm. though Kylo Ren's psycho and bent on—I don't know what he's bent on taking over everything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whatever his goal is.
0: Right.
1: Um, or you get these like megalomaniac Sith that are like going to be the Emperor of the universe. Mm-hmm. But somehow that's supposed to eventually lead to whatever it is that balances out the force. So you still have both sides, mm-hmm. but they're not trying to kill each other. I don't know. I don't <laughs> quite get what the, what they mean by balancing right. the
0: force you, either. So you, like you wonder what the if you're gonna it's kind of the battle between the two things that I think are being are big influences into the show into the franchise is that you have Eastern philosophy which is about balance, and then you have. This Western idea of first is evil. <laughs> yeah, so you have those things where it's like you never really understand what the wind condition would be right. of that vision of like complete and total balance, um, and but I I I think uh, from uh, the perspective of a, a a boy growing up with the series the the seeing uh, a sci-fi thing that is uh, pinned underneath. Um, the 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 thing of good versus evil. It's a it's an interesting gateway into how sci-fi can be a vehicle for um, like I the the conversation of of ideas and you know learning more about philosophy and and things like that um, because you see something like uh, the Death Star, then you get uh it's, it's a way for everybody to say, like, oh, these are the bad guys. He just blew that planet up. And it's a, it's a, you know, a good, it's very, very good to, like, have these kids not have to see all these hundreds of millions of people dying. Um, but you get the idea of, like, they have this, you know, massive, you know, power on their side. And their, their goal is, you know, they can say that their goal is order. But they're willing to make all of this destruction in order to, you know, mold still the world even into the, what even they the, want. Even
1: the, the simplification of that is a very fantasy-type thing to do. Hmm. Fantasy is very much about, you can tell from how they're dressed and what they're doing <laughs> that mm-hmm. they're either completely evil yeah. or completely good. It's only been fairly recently that we've had fantasy that gets more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. But even then, even in things like Game of Thrones, where the main characters are all horrible people. Right. There's all these horrible people, but they're still people, as opposed to the army of undead, that is going to come down and try and kill them all. Like, there's a very clear, these guys need to die. Right. Versus, these are human beings, and yeah, they suck, but we kind of need to keep them
0: alive. And that's another thing, is the the stormtrooper things. You don't care about any of these people being blown away. These are these faceless, you know. It's Um, all very clear-cut.
1: This is like, you know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to blow up the whole Star Destroyer, Mm because, you know, we don't care that there's 20,000 people that live on this (laughs) thing. Right. Or we just blow up the Death Star. Is that really any less bad than blowing up the planet? Do you know how many people lived on the Death Star? Like, really? Anyway. (laughs) But, like, it's a very epic, good versus evil thing, as opposed to science fiction, which tends to... A, not be on that huge of a scope. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And B be a lot more focused on a specific thing
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: morality of that specific thing. Right. So, for example, like Isaac Asimov mm-hmm. with iRobot, his whole focus was how do you keep a robot moral, basically? Mm-hmm. What is the morality of these artificial intelligences? Mm-hmm. And what is the effect of that on society? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like robots are evil or the people creating these robots are evil it's just this is a thing that humanity did what is that going to do to us
0: right
1: and it's speculating on if something so it's a very much what if what if x Mm -hmm. technology happens what if we have these things Mm -hmm. what does that do to humanity what does that change about the way we think what does that change about our society Mm -hmm. basically I think is more the focus of most science fiction
0: things And and uh, I think you get little moments of, um, I I was reminded of how the last one ends where Luke is um, in the trench, and he's, you know, doing something that's very like, you know, and we're gonna get a little bit into um, how how these are in terms of like being war movies and, um, but the it says the strategy of like you get the torpedoes into the thing and then the whole thing self destructs. But it uses that as a moment to remind us and, and have him be able to trust the Force uh, and have that be what guides him because he could be using this... The you know, technology thing. You know, and trying to use his, um, you know, acumen just in terms of with his mind, but he's instead trusting the Force to, to be his guide. Um, and... Um, I think uh, later on, there's in the Return of the Jedi, you get um, what I think is a really interesting um, kind of like a, a, what you, you could call like a speculative thing where um, the Emperor is uh, deciding to use Endor uh, as his base and he. You know, seemingly is that aware that there's this race there of these like very primitive um, creatures, the Ewoks, and a lot of people like they they kind of think like oh these creatures were made to sell toys, and you know they're cute and everything, but like they think that it, it's a departure from the tone of the rest of the movies that all of a sudden there's all this like comic relief stuff happening. Um, I I love those creatures and I love. The, like, that you C-3PO being seen as a god yeah. by them. That's kind of, like, a a, a kind of cool sci-fi idea that's, yeah. like, they're... It, it doesn't really have to do with, you know, technology or, like, what you would assume with different things. But I could imagine myself reading a story where they have to go on this planet and work with these creatures. Right. Um, and it's kind of speculative in that, like, wouldn't they see this gold creature as a god? And then he's, like, he recounts, like, some of their old right. adventures with their language, um, which is really funny and cute. Um, but at the end of the day, what it's trying to say is, like, just because these creatures are limited in their knowledge of what the rest of the galaxy has in terms of technology and um, things like that, they still have the heart and they still have what it takes to defend their people, Right. right. They end up defeating the big, you know, they, they, you know, it kind of mirrors, like, the Revolutionary War, where, like, there's an underdog that, you know, has to learn how to fight these, these technologically advanced, um, you know, uh, enemies. Right. Um, Which I think is
1: a really good science fiction theme, the, uh, the idea of, yes, technology is awesome, And sometimes it's about, well, humanity created X, and that's going to be a moral problem for humanity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, oh, my word, there's aliens invading, and they're vastly superior to us in technology. But we always beat them, not because we're better at their technology, but because we're humans, and we don't give up, and we do crazy stuff Mm -hmm. to win. win. Right? Right? So there's this idea of science fiction also that proves it's a very humanist Uh, theory on, you know, proving the human spirit is indomitable, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter what we're faced with or how crazy it might get, humans will overcome because of their faith or because of their love or because of whatever Mm -hmm. esoteric, intangible, crazy thing that we have. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to do crazy stuff for those things. Like, it's not just, oh, I have faith, but I'm going to sit here and... No, it's... I love my family so much that I'm gonna go fight this alien. You
0: mm-hmm. know, like
1: it's a it's a heart thing,
0: right? Um, and so, uh, uh, moving on to uh, the western type stuff, um, you do have that. The dual, Solo
1: is totally a cowboy. Okay,
0: yeah, 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 and and the and the whole cantina thing, like you have these a lot of like desert planets, and the the, the idea of like. Um, you know, who governs these things. You have, like, Jabba the Hutt, who is this major... You very know,
1: frontier feeling, because you're out in the the, what are the outer rim, they call right. it, right? So it's a very frontier sort of lawless mm-hmm. area. So a right. lot of stuff gets worked out like you would in the Wild West, where right. you have duels, or you just pay off the right people, or whatever mm-hmm. it is that needs to be done. And, and because it's very
0: you have morally great right, characters placed. like Han Solo, and you have bounty hunters like Boba Fett, um, who are very popular characters? You get those different little stories of, you know, uh, uh, one solitary character who is, you know, has their set of morals, and through these challenges, um, there's also there's like a job, or a Boba Fett uh, video game. Um, or I don't know if it's Boba Fett or, or Django Fett, um, but it's called Bounty Hunter. So you play as him. And so, um, I feel like with that you get um those types of stories that you often see in uh, a western western setting and I think that that resonates with uh American audiences and it's why part of why the series is so popular because you have um that good and evil thing and you have the the morality um aspect to it um but it's the, these gritty kind of characters who have the gumption to uh, get done what they need to get done. And um, Han is um, really just, like, a, a magnetic character. And um, he, you know, can remind you of, like, a John Wayne type that's just, um, you know, like, has... he And his weapon, as right. opposed to the Jedi Knights, is his famous blaster. Yeah. <laughs> blaster. Um, So uh, it's, and I think that that's why we have things like Firefly, because there were people that are inspired by um, George Lucas's decision not just to try to make a, uh, a universe where everything is uniform and where all the worlds are reflective of, you know, a specific type of genre. You also get that whole part of that whole part, the outer rim, where there are you know mob members and uh, smugglers and things like that, um, and I know that that can kind of concur with uh, like you were talking about with RPGs the idea of their the rogue characters, and you do see those popping up in you know fantasy stories, so it kind of fits in with that with type both. of yeah the uh, idea of having having
1: a rogue is. It's, it's important, I think, in most stories to have some kind of the sneaky guy. Mm-hmm. Or not necessarily that Han was sneaky. wasn't really sneaky. Mm-hmm. But, like, as opposed to having Luke or, or Obi-Wan where you have a very strict, rigid rule set. I'm mm-hmm. the hero mm-hmm. in the old classic sense.
0: Right.
1: So I can't do certain things or that makes me evil.
0: Right.
1: You have Han who can do whatever he wants because he's not signed up for either side Mm -hmm. and it's not if he's acting shady that doesn't mean he's a dark side guy. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's a smuggler. That's his job. Right. Right? I mean, there are some of those characters that gets paid by the bad guys. Mm -hmm. So like, Lando eventually is in with the Empire because it's more profitable at the moment to be so. Mm -hmm. But, generally, they, even the rogue characters know, no, I can't let this happen to Everybody, mm-hmm. So they still end up coming down on the right side of things, mm-hmm. but there's still the guy who's willing to go in there and, like, yeah, I can steal whatever it is you needs stolen mm-hmm. or that kind of thing.
0: And we're gonna, we, we get a little bit of that in um, Lost in Space. We're watching that right now on Netflix, and there's a character, Don West, who is a smuggler. And so um, his arc seems to be very similar to Han's, where he meets a girl who... Is he even calls her princess? Um, who is uh one of the Robinsons? The Robinsons are very nuclear family who, time and again, are showing their virtue and, and their you know love for each other through their actions. Um, and they're learning and adapting. But then you have Don, who is uh kind of an underdog, kind of like uh, a morally gray character because. Uh, he's trying to do. He he's willing to do anything to to make sure that he comes out in the end. But because of his uh, proximity to one of the one of the heroines of the show, is slowly learning to you know be more honorable. And um, it's interesting with that that kind of western ar- archetype of when there's like such chaos in a certain area of the story, you have these characters who are um much more loose with you know what they're willing to do and then they get swept up in this larger um narrative of no there's good and evil let me show you what evil looks like and then they're convinced like oh in order to defeat this evil we have to um we have to really have to work together and i have to learn to be more self-sacrificial um so yeah, um, to wrap up, we, we were going to discuss about uh, the war side of things, because that was a big debate when they, they were going to go back into the Rogue One story of the first, you know, plans to uh, re- to retrieve those plans of the Death Star. And uh, the idea was we're going to make this a gritty Star Wars movie. And so a lot of people were saying, well, that's not Star Wars. That's making a war movie and then putting Star Wars on top of it. Um, and I I was, I am a little disappointed because I, I think um, having there be more of that traditional thing, like, because I remember in the trailer, and this wasn't in the final cut, which makes me think maybe they might have changed things. Um, it looked like uh, Jane Erso, the main character, uh, w- was going to have more of that, uh, traditional struggle, and that she might actually make a deal with the the somebody in the dark on the dark side, or somebody in the Empire, in order to try to achieve this mission, uh, because it showed her in Imperial garb, um, and the the lines from the trailer from uh, or G- G- Saul Guerrero, his name, um, <laughs> he was saying like, "What will you become?" and I thought that that would be a a kind of combination of those two themes like the western theme of like if you were up in the outer rim away from this thing and then all of a sudden we're expected to be in this battle but but there was something more um you know more more morally gray that you tried to do in order to do it and then um i heard the original ending for that was going to be that vader just slaughters all of them um so i think that that's it would have been interesting to see them succeed but then that more of a dark kind of um, kind of ending where for some reason what the decisions that they made led to them just having a, a tragic end would have been uh, interesting but how, how do you feel about that like taking taking Star Wars and making it a war movie taking Star Wars and making uh, you know a, a a thriller or something like that like do you think that going away from sci-fi fantasy would not make it not Star Wars for you? Well,
1: so it's it's odd, it's it's a hard thing to think because really what the original trilogy was was they took a fantasy storyline mm-hmm. and put it in a science fiction setting. Right. Like I don't know for real that if they hadn't said it in science fiction, it still wouldn't have been an awesome story. Like you mm-hmm. could take that storyline and put it in something that looked like the Middle Ages, and it would still work really well. Right. Um, what was different? What is different about what they're doing with the the side stories? Not necessarily the main arc, because I think the main arcs are still very.
0: Yeah. Sci-fi, yeah.
1: fantasy, space opera, whatever yeah. they're and called. And there's yeah.
0: definitely a uh, a marketing push to make sure like th- it's distinct for people. Right. So that they can experience. But the a bit the more. side
1: stories I think are fun as different genres like that, blending it with a different thing. Like Rogue One, I don't know that I would call it war movie so much as, like, spy movie, maybe? Mm -hmm. Like a thriller-almost suspense kind Mm. of thing. Not thriller, wrong word. But, yeah, where you're in a setting that's a really cool setting because the Star Wars universe is a huge, vastly unexplored setting. Most of us, most Star Wars general Star Wars fans, haven't really read all the books and know all the background, like I don't know the background of what the Jedi used to be, etc, etc. So most people who've only consumed the movies don't really know much about the extended parts of that setting. Mm -hmm. So being able to explore the extended parts of that setting, like, oh yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of normal people that live in this universe too, that are getting affected by this crazy space wizard war that happens to be going on over there. Perennially,
0: Um, these people that are just this um.
1: crazy Skywalker family that's ruining the galaxy
0: yeah like what's their deal
1: yeah <laughs> um you know to be able to say no these are just normal people working and doing their thing mm-hmm. in this universe I think it's pretty cool right um and at the same time answering interesting questions about well how did they get the planets to the Death Star mm-hmm. well let's tell you or how did Han Solo get to be where he was That's
0: mm-hmm.
1: always a cool thing because everybody loves Han Solo right um I think it's 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 neat because it is such a, a wide open setting. Mm-hmm. I think many different genre types of stories could fit in it and still be very exciting.
0: Right.
1: And I mean, it's not like battles. So, like, if they're going to continue doing war type focused things, it's not like that. Those battles aren't fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I just wish. Well, I'm not going to say it. We promised we weren't going to talk about the prequels, I'm not going to talk about the prequels. Um, For
0: many reasons. But there's a lot
1: of history and stuff that I think they have plenty of time to play with Mm -hmm. and explore. Right. Then give us all kinds of different genres, and it would still be fascinating to a lot of people. Um, and I mean, I, if, any, if the Marvel movies have taught us anything, yeah,
0: well, we, that's don't what care, I bring we don't up. care what
1: characters you put into those, that setting, mm-hmm. that setting's fun, and we will watch well, it. And I think cool. that
0: that's the, the key, is that with James Gunn's um, version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, he is able to, um, for example, take uh, the Marvel Universe, which is typically like superheroes who have very specific arcs, very specific lessons to learn, and he very flawlessly um, took it as, like, okay, I'm going to have a gang of ne'er-do-wells who go on, like, kind of, like, heist missions, and even though there's one character who keeps stealing people's appendages and, like, you know... there's a, I mean, rewatching Guardians 2, there's a lot of death in that movie, but they do very well to set up, like... You know, when, for example, the characters mutiny against the Yondu, it shows them chucking people out the spaceport, and um, you you at least see, like, okay, this person is fighting really evil people when he goes and, and reclaims the ship. Um, but at the same time, like, it uh, ha- very well maintains a tone of, like, this heightened reality, so that when he murders all these people, it's not like, you know, the the brutality of, like, early 80s comics where it was like, this is not what, you know, right. my parents want me to be reading because it, it revels in that violence. It's like, you know, there's a catchy song playing and there's a, a method of shooting it to where it's right. like Right, so it's this, not
1: all about, it's not like in your face, we're going to show you every bloody detail, yeah. make this as gruesome as possible. No, it's just this... We need you to understand this is a horrible person. Okay, moving on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you
1: know, like, yes, we blow up a planet. Next scene. Yeah. Like, right. Let's not show all the horrifying and consequences.
0: Like, the emotional stuff. It's not like the person is like, um, like, a lot of people talk about how, you know, Leia's whole home planet gets destroyed, and she's not like an emotional wreck when Luke comes to rescue her. But it's just because they understood this is a, a low resolution story. That we've tightened to like this epic space opera level, so we need to hit these beats and keep moving, and it's it's very effective for for it. Um, so yeah, so I think um, it's it's really it for the time. It was an amazing take on uh, those genres, and um, it wouldn't be the movie that it is without right. you know the work that was done to. Um, you know, it be innovative, and um, really try to keep you on your feet with the different you know stuff that it does. I love uh, on on a final note the there's that scene where it shows the different bounty hunters, and there's like three guys that we don't even hear what their names are. Nope. but there's like a bug face guy and a lizard man, and it's just like I I that's an awesome thing about movies in that time period of like. But they the designers just went nuts and like,
1: it was which is why I love awesome so stuff. I love the fact that it was but both I guess it's uh, industrial light and magic was the main mm-hmm. and Jim Henson because both of those apparently are very big on we're going to make this huge rich this is a world with all kinds of crazy things going on that you will never know anything about because mm-hmm. they're just in the background. But there are tons of alien races. Right. There are tons of weird creatures that randomly pop up in the corner of your screen. Because yeah. this is an ecosystem. This is a real place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, Jim Henson is fantastic at that, making it feel like yeah. a real place, whether it's all puppetry or not. Like, it, mm-hmm. you can know that that is a place you can actually go to and see these creatures popping out of holes in the sand, and it's right. a thing.
0: And, even, and that's one thing to mention. And I think we're going to get into prequels uh, after Solo. Uh, because I think that doing prequels is a very specific challenge to itself. but one of the many things that kind of doesn't hit the mark with those prequels is that there are different um, effects uh, that are trying to recapture that magic of uh, what Henson did. But even though these are puppets in like the 80s that he's making, it's I get I am like happy to, to watch these things. Uh, on screen in a way that like the fishies in the first yeah, the
1: random cgi yeah we can do that throw it in there yeah nonsense it's just
0: kind of like I, it doesn't have that same kind of like life to it that right the stuff that he made so to, to prevent from crapping on the prequels preemptively um <laughs> we have a a, a a a thing
1: we have a new segment and a fancy hat
0: because uh, one thing that me and my sister keep doing is talking about movies and then being like, "But, but I'm not ever going to watch that because <laughs> that's not. I don't want to spend my day that way." So because of that, and because there are other movies that we actually both do want to see, we decided to make it a segment on this podcast called uh, "Paper and a Hat." Um, <laughs> Paper
1: and a hat. That's what we're going with. Sure. Okay.
0: Sure. Um, so yeah, we have. It's little- a very
1: beautiful fancy stetson. Yes. I don't even know where my brother got this hat. <laughs> Uncle George gave it to me. Oh, did he?
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to crumple up a little bit <laughs> and randomly pick, let's see, Interstellar. Oh, no. Yay. I
1: think he cheated. I, I said, get to pull next yeah. week.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're going to take turns just so that there's no mission He's
1: been trying to get me to watch this movie.
0: Yeah, it, it's for a, a very it's now. a very controversial movie, <laughs> just because um, Christopher Nolan has this thing where he'll do a movie for the studio, and then he'll do this big epic, weird story. And of his movies, this has been the one that people are just like, and especially if you know how it ends, and people have tried to explain it to you without the context of the other hour and a half of the movie, you're just like, yeah, I think I'll pass. Yeah, um, but. Uh, Space, McConaughey, Space uh, McConaughey next episode hopefully we can find some time this week to watch Interstellar and we'll report back to you uh, for next week we're going to be watching Gabriel Union beat uh, people up trying to invade her house um, <laughs> and it's a, a movie coming out next week called uh, Breaking In um, it looks really good and so we're going to try to see that and get that recorded for you for next week uh, week after that's going to be My World's on Fire uh, about Fahrenheit 451 because there's an HBO movie coming out and I'm excited Yes. Uh, and then hopefully after that uh, I'll be able to get Detroit Become Human on PS4 and we can talk about uh, walking simulators <laughs> and uh, RPG games uh, if you have any questions write to us at Podcast at gmail.com and we'll uh, answer your questions thanks for listening thank you